I invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson comes to us this morning from the book of Luke and the reading from chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We are closing in on the final stretch of our sermon series on the six practices of disciples of Jesus Christ. And for this series, we have been looking very closely at the primary practices that we take on and live into as disciples of Jesus. These practices, they shape us. They cause us to grow deeper and wider in our faith journey, and they also identify us as disciples of Jesus. As I have shared throughout the weeks, to be a disciple is to be in training as an apprentice. It is to examine closely the life and the teachings of Jesus and then to follow them as closely as we can. When we do this, when we take on these practices, when we cultivate them and we make them a part of our everyday lives, then we start growing into his likeness. We start bearing witness to who he is and then we start drawing others to Christ. This is what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus. One of the ways to explain what it means to follow him closely, have you ever tried preparing a particular meal for the first time and you pull up on YouTube how to cook, whatever the, rest, the, the meal is going to be, and you, you try exactly to follow the recipe? The outcome will determine how closely you have followed the recipe. If you stay directly as recommended, the outcome should be good. This is what it means to follow Jesus. We are going to model his ways, his life, his teaching, his ministry. When we started the series, I asked us to look at the practices that I would call inward disciplines. Praying, studying and reading scripture daily. These are practices that open and heighten our awareness of the presence of God in our lives. These are practices that deepen us and tether us in our faith and in our walk with Jesus Christ. 
the thing about these inward practices is that they, they create channels for an outward flow of practices that reflect what is happening on the inside. When we do these inward practices of praying and, and studying scripture, and we, when we start recognizing that God, the spark of the divine is within us, our hearts are so conditioned that we start acting in ways that reflect who is directing us, who is governing us, who is the head of our lives. Inward practices create outward response. And so one of the outward responses of the inward practices that we do, but also one that Jesus himself did, was the practice of generosity. Now, before I get into the text, there is something that I must point out about generosity. Generosity is a matter of the heart. I'm going to say that again, church. Generosity is a matter of the heart. It is a hard condition and not a financial condition. I'm going to say that one more time. Generosity is a matter of the heart. It is a heart condition and not a money condition. Too often we think generosity is really about money, how much we have or how little we have. But if we think about it, from that perspective, we are limiting ourselves. Because if the heart is not generous, our actions will not bear the fruit of generosity. So I want you to know that this sermon, this sermon is really about the inward practices that condition our hearts so that we can live generous lives. This sermon is about the inward practices that condition our hearts so that we can model generosity in ways that reflect who we are and whose we are. Generosity is about the heart because, you know, the heart dictates the fruit of our lives. The heart dictates the fruit of our lives. The other thing I want to share about generosity is that it changes the entire outlook of our day. Has someone ever done something for you that is generous, no matter how small the act may have been, and it changed your perspective for the entire day? You may have been having a sappy morning and someone did just one act of generosity. And before you know it, something inside of you just starts blooming and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, there is this song in your head and your actions start becoming softer towards somebody else. Generosity has a way of changing our perspective and our outlook on life. I think most of you may have heard the term paid forward. I was even told that there is a movie about it. One of the things I watched several years ago, I think it was like five or six years ago, there was one on the evening news and they were talking about a lady who had pulled up to a Starbucks. And when she pulled up in her car to the window where the barista would give her her coffee, she did something that was a little bit different that morning. She paid not only for her coffee, but also for the driver who was behind her. And she waved the barista goodbye and drove off. When the customer who was behind her pulled up and was about to pay, the barista told him, the lady before you actually paid for your coffee, so you don't owe us anything. And he was quite surprised by the act of generosity. And he could have driven off, but he said, you know what? 
I'll pay for the person behind me. And it kept on going. For two hours, the line at Starbucks was just this whole river of generosity washing over customer after customer after customer who drove up. One act of kindness. And I'm imagining that the lady who started it had not even imagined how far her act of generosity would have gone. One act of kindness changed the day for so many who came after her. In our text for this morning, we hear of generosity in a way that would startle many of us. We hear the story of someone who had a change of heart because of his encounter with Jesus that led to acts of generosity. Now, an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with Jesus will always change our hearts, church. If you have had an encounter with Jesus, it will change your heart. Anyone who has an encounter with Jesus, it will change your heart. See, there was this man called Zacchaeus who had lived in Jericho. He was a tax collector and he was wealthy. And he heard that this man called Jesus, this, this teacher who was teaching differently, this, this rabbi called Jesus was passing through Jericho. And Zacchaeus wanted to see who this Jesus was. And so when the crowd gathered, Zacchaeus realized he could not see this Jesus, and so he ran. And not only did he run, but he also climbed a tree because he wanted to see who this man was. And it got me thinking, what did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus that made a grown man run? It was not like he was trying to do his daily workout. What did, a, what did a grown man hear about Jesus that he not only ran, but he also climbed a tree to get a peek at Jesus? And my, my mind started thinking, did he hear that Jesus was generous with his love, welcoming and forming relationship with those who were ignored and marginalized by society? Did he hear that Jesus was generous with his time, teaching and answering questions about the kingdom of God? What did Zacchaeus heard about Jesus that caused him to run and climb a tree? Did he hear that Jesus was welcoming people who were not church folks into his presence? Did he hear that Jesus was being a friend to the lonely and the overlooked? Did he hear that Jesus was generous with his grace, forgiving those who were called sinners and restoring them to right relationship with God? What did Zacchaeus hear, hear about Jesus that caused him to run? Whatever it was, Zacchaeus heard and he wanted to see Jesus. Now, while that intrigued me, what was also intriguing in this text is that when Jesus got to the spot, Jesus looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I am going to be at your house. Now, there are so many other persons in that crowd who Jesus could have gone to their house. But Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to stay at your house. Do you know what that looks like, really? Just... Think with me for a second. To 
be going to the house of a tax collector? And Jesus was always getting into trouble. You know how we talk about, you know, John Lewis saying you must get into good trouble? Jesus was always getting into trouble. Here he was going to a tax collector's house. And I wonder, could it be that Jesus knew that Zacchaeus's heart just needed a little bit of conditioning? Could it be that Jesus knew that Zacchaeus' heart just needs a little bit of priming? And, and, and when you take the love of God and you apply it to a situation, when you, when you take the love of God and you give it to someone who has been sidelined because he's considered a sinner, what results could we get? I, I think of it in this way. It's almost like having a, a perfume bottle. And unless you take off the packaging, unless you take off the lid of the perfume, you will never smell the fragrance. And, and there is something about an encounter with Jesus that helps to strip away all the layers that we have built upon ourselves, all the layers that society tells us that we may have, we must have. And, and, and Zacchaeus' heart was softened. Could it be that Jesus knew that Zacchaeus' heart would have been softened with the grace of his presence? the generosity of his love. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today you will stay. I will stay at your house. And guess what happened, folks? You know how it goes, right? The judgment started rising. Oh, he's going to the house of a sinner. And Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, look. I will give half that I have to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone... I will even pay them four times over. What generosity, church. You see, an encounter with God, an encounter with Christ, will change our hearts in such a way that we, we won't hold on to what we have. Because all that we have truly comes from God, right? All that we have belongs to God. And when, when we encounter this generous God who has poured his grace into our lives, when we encounter this generous God who has given us so freely, all that we need for life and for salvation and for godliness when we encounter this generous God who, who doesn't hold our sins against us. There's a, there's a song that we used to sing back home. I, I don't know if you know it. My sins were flowing like a river when the Lord sanctified me. My sins were higher than a mountain when the Lord sanctified me. Singing glory, hallelujah, when the fire came down, when the Lord sanctified me. If we want to be honest, we know that we are sinners saved by grace. A grace that is so rich and so deep and so wide. A grace that is so eternal. That when we, when we recognize this, we hold on to nothing. Nothing whatsoever. It doesn't belong to us. Zacchaeus had that experience. Now, I think you most, most of you, if not all of you, have heard about the president's student loan forgiveness program. And I know that there are a variety of opinions on it. Whatever side you're on, that is fine. But I wonder if all of us should check the doors of grace that we have walked through would our responses remain the same? If all of us should check the kindness of God to us throughout our lives, if our responses would be the same? 
It reminded me of the story in the gospel when the farmer, Jesus told the parable of the farmer, the generous farmer who had hired some workers and he hired some who started like at 9 a.m. in the morning and then he hired some who started at 12 and there was still more work to be done and he hired some who started at 3 and then there was still more work and he hired some who started at 6. And at the end of the day when the workers gathered together, they were expecting to be paid according to merit, how long they had been working. And when they had seen that the generous farmer gave those who came at six a certain amount, they were excited thinking if they just came at six and they got this amount, can you imagine how much we who have been here from 9 a.m. will get? And when they got the same as those who came at six, they started grumbling, but we have been here since nine o'clock. How could you pay them the same that you have paid us? And the generous farmer said, are you going to challenge me because of my generosity? We had agreed on a price and I paid you fairly based on what we agreed on. I know we live in a society that cultivates us to believe that we live by merit. We have been so shaped by our society that everything that we have, we believe it's of our own doing, of our own hard work, of our long nights, of our strategic planning. And so when we look over our lives and we see what we have accomplished, we pat ourselves on the shoulder and we said, well done. And if anyone seems to infringe on what we have accomplished or what we have accumulated, we get up in arms. David, a man after God's own heart, was building the temple. And David had wealth. He was building the temple, this fabulous temple in honor of God and what God had given to him. But David's words are a reminder for us. They were true for that time and they're true for us now. David said, all that we have all of this God, all of the diamonds and the sapphires and the stones and everything, all that we have comes from you. And it's off your own hands that we give back a portion. Everything, everything that we have comes from you. And it's only off your own hands that we give back a portion. Church, I know we live in a time where we are told we must plan, we must save, we must do, we must amass wealth. We, and I want us to be prudent. I want us to be wise. <laughs> you know, my mom would talk about saving for rainy day, and, and I believe in all of that. And I want you to know that generosity is not just about money. It's also about time and how we use our time. It's about grace and how we extend grace to others because we ourselves have received grace from God. I know we live in a society that cultivates us to think that it is for us because we have worked for it. Whatever the cause that the people of the day could have called Zacchaeus a sinner, he could have said, even if I'm a sinner, I still worked for it. But Zacchaeus had an encounter with God, and that changed his heart. Zacchaeus had an encounter with the Christ, and that changed his heart. And today, my prayer for me, my prayer for you, my prayer for all of us, is that our encounter with Christ will change our hearts so that we will be a people of generosity. 
I pray that we will not be a people who are going to always be measuring how much we give versus how much we have in store. But a people who trust that the same God who has provided for us time and time again, the same God who has shown us love, is the same God, the same one who will continue to provide for us and is the same God who calls us to be generous. Zacchaeus encountered Christ and his heart was changed. I pray for all of us that some way this week, somewhere, at some time, we will have a fresh encountering with the risen Christ and that our hearts too will be changed. Amen.